Namu tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namu tasa bhagavato arahato samma Sambuddhasa Namu Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Buddham Dhammam Sangam Namasami I thought I would share with you something from the questions of King Melinda. This is a section called Questions on Distinguishing Marks. Number six, the marks of attention and wisdom. King Melinda and Venerable Nagasena had these conversations, dialogues together. King Melinda said, what is the distinguishing mark of attention? And what is the distinguishing mark of wisdom? And Venerable Nagasena replied in this way, examination is the distinguishing mark of attention and cutting off is the distinguishing mark of wisdom. How is this so? Make a simile, the king asks him. Do you know about barley reapers, sire? Yes, reverend sir, I do. How, sire, do barley reapers reap barley? And the king says, reverend sir, grasping a handful of barley in the left hand and a sickle in the right hand, they cut it off with the sickle. And then Venerable Nagasena replies, even so, sire, does one who is devoted to mental training take hold of the mind with attention and cut off the defilements with wisdom. And the king says, you are dexterous, reverend sir. So, Actually, at the end of almost every question, he says, you are dexterous. So it's a very good answer. One who is devoted to mental training takes hold of the mind with attention and cuts off the defilements with wisdom. So we have to examine, how do we practice? Are we doing this? Are we like barley reapers? Do we have a sickle in our hand? We grasp the barley with one hand and with the other hand, we, we cut it with the sickle. So we have to use the sickle of wisdom to cut off the defilements. We have to hold the mind and see when Mara is attacking, we have to be right there 
to hold Mara in one place and then cut off Mara's head. But cutting off the head of Mara is always cutting off a defilement right then and there when it's arising in front of us. Cutting it off is a bit like what a director does in a movie. Cut, cut the actors because they're messing it up and then he runs or she will run a scene again, say, do it over. So we have to be self-directing. How can we be self-directing when there's no self? I can just hear the questions buzzing already. Well, this no self concept is, is a concept until we experience it. But this cutting off with our own hand, cutting off the head of Mara, or cutting off the defilements, doing it by ourselves, it doesn't mean that we don't have faculties. Each of us, even though there isn't a solid self that we can call me or mine, or that can possess anything, or that can actually be so deluded and blind. But it's because we believe in this self and we don't cut off the heads of the defilements that we get lost in not using the skills that the Buddha is teaching us. Now, the Buddha is zooming in from two and a half, more than two and a half millennia ago. We're just zooming in right here and now in the same century, but his voice is zooming in from far, far back in time. But it just shows us that that's just a concept. Because as soon as we open our minds to the Buddha's instructions, then we can take hold of the mind through mental training and with mindfulness and wisdom as our, our two main allies, we can use those faculties of the mind to abandon whatever is causing us distress, whatever is sending us into a downward spiral, whatever is obstructing us from touching Nibbana in this moment. How does that work? What is the magic in that? That from millennia ago, we can receive the voice of truth, the sound of truth, and it can bubble forth in our own hearts, unobstructed, unimpeded, if we can train our minds according to the instructions given from that long age ago. And as soon as we do that, where is the Buddha? The Buddha is here, right here with us. The Buddha is not some, something dead. The Buddha is a living, awakening possibility for us. We have what in some traditions they call Buddha nature. As human beings, we have faculties that we can enlighten, that we can, we can light up through the wisdom eye and through the mindfulness, cutting off the defilements time and time again. This is a gradual training. It doesn't happen through willpower and it doesn't happen just because we want it to happen 
We can't think it into happening. We have to go to the heart base and work from a place that is not conceptual. And that takes quite a bit of training. So when we come together and we sit, or we sit on our own, every day, every time we sit down and look at the state of the mind, we have to remember to hold it the way a barley reaper would hold barley. Hold the mind with mindfulness and then with wisdom, seeing the defilements, knowing the defilements, recognizing Mara in Mara's own seat. Mara has so many disguises. There are many forms of defilement that can arrest the mind and obstruct us from seeing our Buddha nature or our potential for awakening or developing, developing it, developing it moment by moment in the middle of a mental storm. We can steady our boat, put up our sails or drop anchor and reach that shore of truth to stop the Maras just by turning away from them and stabilizing our mind in the ways we've been taught. So mindfulness and wisdom are only two of the five faculties. We know that we can develop them from faculties into powers, but we have to empower those faculties and see through the guises of Mara and know that whatever the mind is telling us is quite likely a story. We keep believing old stories. I have a friend who's been going through quite a difficult time with a chronic and severe debilitating illness. And occasionally she becomes quite desperate and can't get back to her practice because the mind gets overwhelmed with despair and feelings of hopelessness. And I said to her just the other day, you're not hopeless, you're a daughter of the Buddha. And our mission as students, as sons and daughters of the Blessed One is to follow the teacher's instruction and not believe the stories I am this, I am that, because the I, there is no I, there is the I, the seeing I, but there is no I, a construct of a self doesn't exist. So to say I am hopeless is as foolish as saying I'm going to get enlightened, because there is no one who gets enlightened. There's only the purification of the mind. There is no I who can be made into anything, neither for good nor for bad, neither for waking up nor for being dull and foolish. But when ignorance holds us in its power, then for sure we are obstructed on the path. Our faculties don't mature, don't engage their full potential. So it's a question of using mindfulness, not just as a tool from which to act, but we have to also use the 
remembering aspect of mindfulness, which is right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the most negative mind state, we suddenly wake up and, and hear, this is, <laughs> if we're not hearing correctly, we're not seeing truly. We're listening to a deluded voice, not to the voice of the Blessed One. Then, if we do that, we can feel dexterous, just like Nagasena. If we can use these faculties and turn them into powers, we are empowered on this gradual training. And we have to be very patient. We keep trying and it doesn't work, trying and it doesn't work. And then one day, it does work. Because the mind has been shown what is its true home. What is its true power? What is its true resting place? What in the heart is true and what is false? It's very important for us not to make the classic mistake of thinking that that which is true is false and that which is false is true. If we believe that the world and everything the world offers us is permanent, the body is permanent, we are permanent entities, and we do function like that quite a lot. We identify with our job, our career, our gender, our characteristics, our intelligence, our IQ or lack of, and then we make a story about all that. And we keep repeating that story and we believe in it. If somebody asks, who are you? And I say, I'm mental and physical process, they will think, yeah, there's something wrong there. They haven't understood. Because it's only by going deep into our own conditioning and seeing how empty it is, how volatile, how untrue, that we come to the place of digging deeper to find out what is true. What is real? Words are not true. Descriptions are not true. But our intuitive experience, our belly, the core of the heart tells us, yes, when we have touched a happiness that is not fleeting, a happiness that is transcendent beyond this world. And that happiness we can know we don't have to only know it when conditions are perfect or conducive to knowing it. We're practicing in times of silence and quiet and with Dhamma friends. We do that as a rehearsal for practice when we're in trouble. So I said to my friend, you must go to the core of your heart and remember your meditation practice. See the emptiness of all these mind states. Don't believe your thoughts. Cut off the head of Mara and bring up present moment awareness and see the arising and ceasing, the arising and ceasing of the thought, I am hopeless. It's just a story. Here's that story, cut it off, cut it. 
be the director of the mind and lean towards Nibbana, lean towards that which will rescue us from this suffering. If we lean in the right direction, Mara starts to tremble and runs away. Mara evaporates. Mara is just a figment and artifact of the mind, of the deluded mind. Mara is not real. But we believe in all these guises again and again, and we entrap ourselves in a shell of ignorance. As we read last night in the Anguttara Nikaya, I'm going to read to you from the Dhammapada to make this point more and more colorful. This is a translation by Ajahn Jayasaro. Stranded in the desert of doubt and hesitation, trackless in all directions, experience these doubts as merely that, merely doubts, mere mental events, and nothing more. Then the path onwards will appear as if by magic. So the path is within us. It really is. And we find it just by using the tools of the trade. It's like a trade. It's, it's a skill. We learn it little by little and we're patiently learning it. We can feel as if we're in a desert and we don't see any way out. The world cannot show us a way out. We keep turning to the world for the way out. But the way out is within us. And if we look within more and more deeply, we start to uncover and pull off the disguises of Mara and call Mara by its true name, imposter, imposter, false. Then what happens to the self? The self falls away. There's no one there. There's no one to rescue. The pure mind in itself is already shining, illumined. We just have to clear away the cobwebs, the dust, the residue of lifetimes of trying it out, trying it out and not getting it. But in this lifetime, we have a good chance to actually get it. We have to keep trying it out. And a skill takes a very long time to hone. I'm sure that the barley reapers started barley reaping when they were kids. They used to go out with their dads in the field and watch their fathers cut the barley with the sickle. And by watching for a long time, they learned the skill visually, and then they got to try it viscerally with their own hands. So we are like in combat, we're in the trenches. But we don't have to be in the trenches just suffering and sweating. We can also find a great peace. But we have to keep battling with the kilesas. We have to keep being on guard that these wily ways of 
uh, ignorance and not understanding the path worm their way into our minds and delude us again. We have to be so present and so mindful how we live, how we speak, and how we think, so that we don't get lost in negative stories that were given to us when we were children by people caught up in ignorance. Maybe a parent, maybe a relative, maybe a coworker, a teacher, or someone on the street mishandling us, mistreating us. And then we carry the burden of that on and on and on into our old age, and then we can't hold it anymore. It just lets go, explodes like a grenade, and causes us a lot of mental anguish, feeling hopeless during a sickness. We were able to carry that negative story for a long time, but when we become challenged by life, by old age sickness or a diagnosis that we have very short time left to live, fear suddenly explodes, anger takes over, but it has ancient roots because for such a long time, we've not properly trained the mind and we've believed those stories. Now we can cut. We have to keep cutting vigilantly and know these are stories, we let them go. We may be in the trenches, but we, we have good weapons and we know how to fight Mara by abandoning the story and coming back to the path within the heart and opening, opening to the goodness. How can we bless the present moment right now? But just by blessing our breath, one breath at a time, and the path will unfold as if by magic. It does, it unfolds. And once we see how that process works, we begin to develop a faith that no one can challenge, no Mara can come near. Faith is one of our faculties. So it's usually called up as the first one. If we don't trust that this will work, then yes, we're going to feel like we're buried in a trench or we're alone in the trench. The fact is we're all in a trench, but we're finding the way out. And to find the way out, we have to uplift ourselves, pull ourselves up through the mindfulness and wisdom like the barley reaper. And then we have to sweep away all those defilements again and again and again, because they're dusty and they, they will land intently. As soon as we look away, they return, they revert. We revert to our old habits. So that's why spiritual friendship is such a gem for us, such a safety, an oasis in this desert where we might feel stranded, but our friend will look over and say, you're doing great. Keep going. We sweep away the negative feelings. We sweep away the wrong views about what we are. And we begin to discover that this heart is empty. 
There's no one there. All that is there is the ability to be aware, to grow in wisdom, to make peace with all conditions just as they are. Making peace with conditions as they are when conditions are difficult is our challenge. That's why we practice when things are good, when our health is good, when we have enough food, when we have shelter, when we have good friends, we practice hard. It is the most difficult thing a person can do, but we can do it. We just have to persevere and be patient with a, a heroism like that brave young man, Terry Fox. We have to run across a vast expanse, maybe with no legs. We keep running. Sick, healthy, smart, foolish, whatever we have been or think we are, we're none of that. We're spiritual beings on a human journey. And we're leaning towards the deathless here and now.